morning. The time is 9.02 a.m. KBBI Homer and K201AO Seward. Welcome to the coffee table. I'm Kathleen Gustafson, and the topic this morning is grief and bereavement. We almost always spend time during the holidays talking about this subject on coffee table because there's not enough light going around and holidays can be tough. So I have a panel of experts ready to go. First, let's uh, meet Morgan Laffert from Hospice of Homer. Morgan, can you introduce yourself, talk a little bit about your experience, and, and go ahead. Thank you, Kathleen. Um, my name is Morgan Laffert. I'm a bereavement consultant at Hospice of Homer. I've worked at Hospice in many different roles as a board member, as a service coordinator. And I am very happy to be part of hospice because of what we offer in terms of supporting those who are going through grief and bereavement, but also those who are experiencing end of life and those who are just seeking um, support at, at, the, at this time. And so we'll be talking about events that we have coming up and how we can best support those um, during this holiday season. Also, I want to make sure all the listeners know that we are ready to take your calls all through the hour. I know I said that last week and then failed to bring anyone to air, but I have worked those little technical difficulties out. Uh, so the number to call is 907-235-7721, or you can email Kathleen at kbbi.org. And... Let's move on to Jay Bechtel, uh, director, executive director. Is that your title? Sure. The executive director of South Peninsula Behavioral Services and the center. Good morning. Will you talk a little bit of, introduce yourself to people? Thanks, Kathleen. My name's Jay. Like she said, I work over at South Peninsula Behavioral Health. Um, we provide mental health services, behavioral health support for anyone in the community that needs it. And we've been doing it for over 40 years and I appreciate the time to be here. Thanks. And finally, our third guest is Pam Hooker. Pam, I want you to talk, introduce yourself. You're not as known a quantity, I think, as Morgan and Jay are. Uh, so if you want to take a moment and talk about your experience, you read, uh, you lead the caregiver support group. It's at the senior center, right? But I know there's a lot more going on. If you would take a moment and tell us about yourself. Okay, um, I've actually lived here most all of my life. <laughs> um, I, I have a degree in um, a master's degree level, uh, social work degree, and I've been doing this group per se for the last 12 years. Prior to that, I started a group um, in 1989, and it lasted a while, but I've had a lot of experience. Um, I... Uh, Talk into that mic. Okay. There you go. Yes, this is my first time on the That's, radio. You're going to get you're right. going to be an old so, hand at it in um, no time. Uh, I just encourage anyone who is taking care of a loved one in their home. The requirements for the group are that you um, you be the caregiver or you be a caregiver of a loved one who either lives with you or you're highly involved with their care. Um, we discourage anyone who is um, an employed caregiver. We're not, we're not in the business of training people who are out in the community being paid to be caregivers. Um, oh, not that they're not I did this. Not Thank that you for clarifying not, that. Yeah, not that they're not important. They are vitally important. However, it's important to the group 
um, that it be uh, something they all have in common. So specific to specific to their issues. Specific to their issues, yes. And Jay, did you want to add yeah. something to that? I did want to throw in that, that Pam is a longtime board member at South Peninsula Behavioral Health. So we're oh. glad to have her helping us out over at SPBHS as well. Excellent. Well, thank you all. I'm going to go to everyone, but I think I'm going to start with Jay Bechtel oh, oh good. for this one because I just want to start and we'll end with this too. Where do I go today if I need to reach out? Oh, that's a great question. Mm -hmm. There are... There are a lot of doors in our community that you can knock on and get some help and support. Everything from a school teacher to your local pastor to your sister and your brother, your family members, and of course the individuals that are sitting here and all multiple other agencies in the community. Hospice is good. Uh, for youth, the rec room is good. You have counselors at your school that are good. Um, Haven House, uh, Sprout, Catch McBay Family Planning Clinic, SVT, the hospital, there's a ton of resources in this community that can be that first door to listening, support, and help. And I think the important thing to remember is the hardest part, and I think Pam mentioned this before we got started, is, is that asking for help part. Um, being willing to say, oh, God, I, I think I need something more than just sitting here staring at the TV all day. Um, and that can be challenging. <laughs> um, so I, I would just recommend that you, you know, I, the hospital puts out a great pamphlet called the Homer Area Support and Resources Guide. They update it quarterly. It has a whole list of numbers and places to contact. If you're really desperate, uh, you can contact us 24-7. Uh, our switchboard runs through the hospital in the evenings and weekends, but we respond to any kind of call 24-7, and you can walk into our offices Monday through Friday, 830 to 5. Thanks. That is Jay Bechtel, Executive Director of South Peninsula Behavioral Services. I want to ask if Morgan or Pam want to add anything to that about places where a person can reach out today. Uh, reaching out today, they can call me directly at 299-7198. I take calls anytime. Um, there's a, a, a lot of caregivers in town. One thing that uh, folks are surprised about is when they walk into the room, how many how many there are and how uh, important they are to each other. So and then, of course, there's the recognizing people you know and you didn't know that they were in your same place. <laughs> yes, that does happen. Yeah. And Morgan, is there anything you want to add to that? Just that with hospice, if you aren't comfortable coming to a formal group, which I know we'll talk about the support groups, you can always stop by. One of our staff members will sit with you and just listen to you and, and hold space if you are particularly going through grief and just want somebody to talk to. Okay, thanks. That's Morgan Laffert from Hospice of Homer. I'm going to stay with you, Morgan, and we're going to talk about grief support groups. That's good. And what to expect, you know, how to demystify it for people. What's going to happen if I go to this thing, you know? <laughs> and then I'm going to come back to Pam Hooker, and we're going to talk about the special circumstances of caregiver support groups and what goes on there. But first, Morgan, would you start with grief support groups? Sure. Where think, are they and what happens? I think the important thing for people to understand about grief is there are different types of grief. So a lot of us think about the loss of a loved one. But there's also anticipatory grief of somebody who is, has an illness and a diagnosis, or invisible grief of somebody who has died, which society deems um, not appropriate, like a miscarriage or so forth. So there's a lot of people who are, are experiencing grief and want to talk about it. And we at hospice, we try to honor grief in its totality. And so we have different groups. 
We have our widow and widow's support group every Tuesday at 1.30. But we also have a conversations on grief. And so this is just an all-encompassing, if you have grief, come by. And that is with Maria. She is our service coordinator. And that is every first and third of Saturday of the month at 1 p.m. And we also introduced and started this year a pet grief um, support group. And that is the, first, uh, the last Monday um, at, of the month at 1 p.m. So for those who are um, going through the loss of a pet. That's great. Mm -hmm. I can imagine that sometimes people, I know this, uh, that when I lost a pet, that I felt like I had to minimize what I was feeling because people are really going through stuff here and love my dog, but I felt like I really couldn't mm -hmm. yeah. talk about that. So uh, before I move on to Jay, uh, the other thing I want to ask, uh, clarify, is you said there's a widow's support group. Is it widows only, or is it widows and widowers? It's is there... widows and widowers. Okay, widowers, so I have yes. to get gendered on you. <laughs> I have to. That's yes. it's, it's the language we speak. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just to make sure, because yes. there might there might conceivably mm -hmm. be a women's only group. Yeah, no, you know? it's it's for both, and that's on Tuesdays at one th um, at one p.m. And it's a very tight knit group. And the the thing like, that you mentioned, Kathleen, is this just just these groups are just about having a conversation. It's just about being able to talk to other people who are going through mm -hmm. exactly what you are going through. So I know the thought of it can be very intimidating, but it's just, it's just making that step, taking that step to seek services and just going. And you, if you don't want to speak, it's okay. You can sit in that space and just know that other people are going through it as well. And are there opportunities uh, to employ kind of that, I don't know, I guess I would say the 12-step model where... Uh, people who are uh, dealing with caring for someone with illness and people who are bereaved and they've lost their loved one to death, are they able, are there groups where they can help each other? Well, I believe the conversations on grief that Saturday is more all-encompassing in diff different types of grief. So when we sit with somebody, we meet them where they're at and we listen. And so Based off of that listening, we see what office resources we can offer and where to go from there. And before I let you go, <laughs> I want you to expound on the phrase, meet people where they're at, because I want people to understand it doesn't mean getting down with people and em engaging in things that are not healthy or... It, but what what do you mean when you say meet people where they're at? I think the one thing we think of with grief is we want to fix somebody. When somebody mm -hmm. talks to us about grief, we want to say, how can I make you feel better? And the thing with grief is you can't make somebody feel better. Everybody grieves differently. And so it's really important to listen, even though it makes you feel super uncomfortable and you want to run away, to allowing that person... Or give to, advice. Or give advice. Yeah. And... and <laughs> That's not appropriate. It's about listening, allowing them to talk about that loved one is a huge thing because they're able to listen and share and remember that person. And a lot of people avoid it. And there's a, a terrific, if you ever wonder about how should I talk to somebody who's grieving, there's a website called uh, speakinggrief.org, um, I believe it is. And I know, Kathleen, you will probably share it. Yeah, I have it here, speakinggrief.org. Yes. And you can click on all kinds of different things. I really like that one because the whole the topic is get better at grief. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. We want to normalize grief. and we There want are to be skills able to, to be sharpened about. here, yes. Yeah, and so it, for me especially, um, you know, you want to know what to say. And again, 
you don't want to fix it. So it has resources and it talks to people who are experiencing grief and it gives them the opportunity to say, this is what is, this is what makes me feel better. This is what definitely not makes me feel better. And so it's, it's a super helpful resource. Also to not expect people to have respond in the same way the next time you talk to them. Like the first, they don't want to hear from you one time, and then the next time you talk to them, they well, do. You have to change, meet people where they're at. It means meeting. changing all the time. Changing all the time, knowing that you're just asking them, how are you doing today? Like, how, that's mm-hmm. going to be different for however, whatever they're experiencing. And not to avoid them in the grocery store when you see somebody, oh, they're going through grief. They're not going to want to talk about it. Well, maybe they do. But it's, it's asking, how are they you get doing to today? Lead it. They get to lead it, and we don't have to dictate that for them. So I am going to go back to Jay Bechtel now from South Peninsula Behavioral Services because uh, because you have been yesing over there. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, no, that's great. Way to go, Morgan. I do want, <laughs> Thanks, Jay. I do want to hear from you about this same topic, about um, are there grief support groups? Are there groups meeting through the center? Or how does this work through South Peninsula Behavioral sure. Health? So one of the challenges, of course, with our agency is that most of our groups are for the individuals that are clients at our agency. So we don't have just walk in and and join a group kind of programs like there are throughout the rest of the community. Um, however, we do offer grief and support on an individual basis and a group basis. And going back to what Morgan said, I mean, the, the importance of the group isn't that you go to a group and you learn how Bob learned how to get through grief and you can apply that to you. The important is going and seeing that Bob got through it. Uh, and and that kind of support is really important in groups. So I think uh, what she was saying was, was that's why you're hearing so many yeses and mm-hmm's from You me. feel like that's the way to model, is just to be that person who's on the other side of it. That's right, it, because it, it's so helpful and supportive to know that other people have gone through this, survived this, are currently dealing with it. Uh, you may even bump into someone that's at the same sort of process state you are, and that's very valuable in the recovery process. So. I always have to, to check myself that I'm not telling people what to do. I'm very bossy oh, by nature, and so, it's so hard not support to. groups are tough. I have to sit on my and, hands. And, and like Morgan said, it's, it's an uncomfortable feeling for the person listening, because you do. You want, you want people to be happy. We want everyone to be happy. So I'm going to do things. I'm going to dance, and I'm going to sing, and I'm going to tell you it's going to be fine. Right, even at the expense of acknowledging reality. And so the other person's <laughs> like, I don't want dancing and singing. I want someone to listen to me for a minute. Um, so it can be very challenging to be the person hearing the grief. It's tough. Yes. Thanks so much. Now, I will come back to grief support groups, but I want to focus for a little while on Pam Hooker because you run a different kind of group. You're the caregiver support group, and we kind of talked about it a little bit, but uh, now I've got in my notes that this is for people. These are not professionals, but they are people who are going through it. So can you talk a little bit about the caregiver support group, maybe even issue an invitation to people? And let them know what goes on in there. Okay. Well, um, uh, yeah, you you said this is, um, they're not professionals. I guess I want to expand on that a little bit is we don't offer, um, uh, the the support groups are not for paid caregivers. In other words, you might work for res care and you have a whole huge, you know, client load and you just want to get some information or get some support for yourself. It's, that's not what it is. It's for people who um, are caring for their loved one in their home predominantly, but we do include folks who have, you know, uh, uh, family members in in Minnesota or, or, you know, and they're trying to figure out whether they should go down there or whether, 
you know, they could bring their loved one up. It's a lot of problem solving and using the group to help get ideas. So it, that, that's important. I've had, you know, on a rare occasion, someone's come who is just kind of curious, kind of wants to know what it's all about, and I have to pull them aside and, you know, you know, very discreetly tell them that what the definition is, and they usually are are very good about uh, leaving. But um, uh, let's see. You know, I, I want people to know that it's a safe group. That we have people sign um, statements that that identify it as confidential. So safe by meaning by safe, you mean confidential. Confidential, yes. Thank you, and um, and that that helps. It just is a uh, it, the feeling of the group. I, I can't express how uh, impressed I have been in the group members over the years. How much help they give each other. It's sort of like the facilitator sort of backs out of the of the whole scene and and helps keep the keep keep the discussion going, which is very easy. But um, it, they learn so much from each other, and uh, then they talk to each other in between the in between meetings, providing support and answering questions. Um, so Let's put your notes right there so oh, you don't turn away from the mic when you're looking at your notes. All right. Thank you so much. Pro um, tip. I, yeah, this is my first <laughs> time at this rodeo. Oh, you're so, not your last, <laughs> I'm sure. Anyway, um, so uh, I, I covered confidentiality. I just want to, you know, that's something that what is said in the group stays in the group. And, you know, the facilitator will take a moment at each meeting because we often have a new person. And so just knowing that they're not we're not going to go out and talk with everybody on the street about who they saw and what they what they said um, and and that would certainly be a reason that they would not be welcome to come back um, so um, uh, hmm. so there's so many benefits uh, I, I wanted to say uh, that some people <clears throat> It takes them several meetings before they feel like sharing anything personal. So that's that's important to know that you don't have to walk in there and tell your life that's history. That's a good tip. No you, one's going to put you on a stage right, the first time you walk on a in stage. there. Yeah. That's absolutely right. And so and everybody has their own experience and and by and large everybody's at a different stage because this this uh, working with and, and I'm going to use the the uh, example of dementia cuz most of our folks are caring with someone with advanced dementia. And, and you think, well, what, what is that? Well, what that is is, is, ha is how that dementia affects that individual. It's very individualized. So you can't say, oh, well, my husband, you know, did that when blah, 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 or, you know, you've got to expect this is what's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. Well, we try to keep it on, you know, and how is it for you and, and what have you done for yourself to try to keep out uh, the judgment element, which is, you know, and it's strong in all of us, but I think particularly caregivers are, are very private about, uh, about how they care for their loved one and what their loved one's going through. I'd like to ask you to say a little more about when you say the judgment aspect. Are you talking about people judging their own responses or judging what people will worried about being judged I, by others or I think some stigma of... Yeah, of I think... I think um, you know, you mentioned uh, going to a group, and you know, it's like I don't go oh, to groups. That. I don't want to share. You know, I I don't. And literally, we have people come, and and they might be there for six times before they say anything that 
more than good morning, my name is, you know, and this, but they, but then when they're, they're right at the right point, they will open up and, and they will uh, begin sharing their situation. So it, it's different for everyone, and I think that's a big important point is not to expect that, oh, because uh, John Jones over here had that problem with his wife, that's what's gonna happen to me. Um, it, it, it's not like that. It's each individual takes responsibility for sharing what they wanna share, and everybody is different. Um, there's, I, I, I don't know, um, there's so much I can say. Uh, <laughs> well, I want to ask you a question, and one that I'll come back to you if you want to organize your thoughts, because sure. this is for everybody. Yeah. Are there uh, is all are all these meetings in person and groups in person? Are there any opportunities for people who can't travel or don't have transportation to meet virtually? Well, um, like, can they zoom in? Um, that we, <laughs> if their facilitator was a little more educated in that area. I think we would be doing more of that. Through the pandemic, we, we were able to stay afloat with the services of Gay Wellman, who, who works, um, works, is it virtually? Anyways, on, on online, she does all her work online, and she lives in Copper Center, Alaska, and she did a wonderful job for us offering people the opportunity to call in. We only had two or three people take advantage of it, but it was very even if it's to just them. one, it's yes, worth it. Yes, so I it's not that I I discount you know um, meeting by uh, TV or or, or, or <laughs> well you know some I people do, have I, I do some like people a TV have meeting. a TV meeting yeah <laughs> so um, uh, again that uh, uh, that that is a good way to do it but. Um, when they come in person, um, there's so much more that happens between uh, the individuals and so on. Well, some people have mobility issues, and, and then there's the cost of transportation right there now. There is, yeah. And I have to remember that the group is one of their very few breaks away from caregiving, and so I just kind of really rally for them to get a break and come to the group. There, I want to tell people that there is a respite available through hospice and through uh, actually through the state of Alaska they will pay for um, uh, there's a grant available that you can uh, file for and get $2,500 a year to pay for um, someone to come and watch their loved one and you can access that through hospice and probably like some of those other care some of those other organizations Morgan can you talk a little bit about respite care about respite care and the importance of it and how a person might access respite funds so we have um, Maria who is a volunteer coordinator so if anybody feels the need such as the caregivers to come go to a meeting or to have a break or be able to do grocery shopping or something of that sort they can call hospice and talk to a volunteer coordinator coordinator and say hey I need a volunteer to just watch watch my my loved mm -hmm. one while um, I go grocery shopping and what Maria does she's amazing she will Find a volunteer that's willing to do that. And we have volunteers that are willing to help in that capacity um, because we know the importance of it. It gives mm -hmm. them the opportunities to attend these groups. It gives that, them that, um, mm -hmm. that opportunity to have that time for themselves. And, uh, yeah, I didn't mean to just throw that word around without defining it, so thank you for, for okay. defining for people what respite is. Go yeah, ahead, well, Pam. I was just going to say that um, everybody is in their own place on this journey. I mean, it's a journey. 
and some folks are coming with the idea or are already working on placing their loved one out of the home and other people have been working with their loved one for uh, for many years and are finally asking for help but um, what I have noticed and learned, I learned a tremendous amount from these folks, um, is that everybody, like I said, everybody has their own time frame and they're not gonna fall into any, like, okay, I got this done, then I'm gonna do this one, and then everybody has their own story. And so it's important to honor that and allow everyone to talk about their situation and it's accepted by the group. It's like, you know, um, it, it's not like, Everybody has, okay, I've done that and I'll check that off. But um, in general, over time, there's a certain um, uh, rhythm that happens that uh, folks might come for three or four times, maybe even for a year. I've had people come and sit and listen and be very respectful but not share anything and then begin to open up and then there's this period of time where they listen and talk about it and then they, and then they want to um, uh, start uh, maybe getting everybody, the other group members are saying, well, well, get some respite, you know, get somebody to come in and help. And that's very difficult for a caregiver. Um, it, at least this group that I've known, probably over 100, uh, they have a difficult time accepting, that, that accepting help. And feeling There's a lot of reasons for that. I have taken advantage of respite care. I try my best not to mm -hmm. tell my own story every time there's a coffee table for the topic, but it's kind of <laughs> not. It's kind of. It's not possible for me to evade it. To avoid it this year, yeah. I lost my father. Now both my parents are gone. This is my first set of holidays. I'm like, I am ready for this show. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> but I, I so want. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say that um, because everybody is on their own. Are their own. Um, trip, let's just call it, you know, um, they, um, they need time to, to they, you don't, I, I discourage, I, I redirect is what I do. Um, the, someone say, oh, that happened to me and this is what I did. Uh, it, it's not like that. It's, it's this happened to me and this is how I feel about it and, you know, yeah. And I, here's what I, I would that like. I that I need respite yeah. and I, I have one lady that, uh, oh my goodness, um, it, unbelievable uh, strength she has, and she had took care of her husband until she absolutely, absolutely needed help. And we had been telling her for over a year that you need help, like you know, get some respite, you know. And uh, finally, one day she called hospice, and she had somebody come. <laughs> she um, she stayed in the in the kitchen, and she couldn't leave him. And, and, and there's such a, a um, they're just a, a very strong connection between most of the caregivers and their loved ones. So being, it's one thing to admit that you need the help, it's another to leave your loved ones. To be ones. able to separate yourself. Separate yourself, yeah. Sure. So, but, you know, in the, in the end, I mean, in, in, you know, through her journey, she was able to, you know, go for a walk on the beach and go get her hair done. And, you know, it was, it's wonderful what's offered through that program. Well, I want to bring Jay Bechtel back into the conversation. Uh, first of all, because I want to find out from you, uh, people can seek counseling through South Peninsula Behavioral Health Services. Yep. Can they do it virtually? Or, you know, you can talk to a caregiver on the phone. There are ways if you're not mobile. Sure. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yes. 
All of our services are both in person and virtual, so you have that option. And I think if you are looking to connect with any agency, I would just give them a call and find out exactly what they're uh, currently doing, because most agencies after these last two and a half years have really We're switched up. We're pretty good at it yes, now. And have real access to, so, so if you're across the bay, if it's snowy and you live at the top of the hill and you can't get down, there are multiple options for connecting with other human beings in a way that there there was before the pandemic, but people didn't really know how to oh, do I it. Oh, I used to have yeah. to talk people into the, Zoom, right. the Zoom model mm -hmm. and just, it was, a, it was a haul and now it's easy. They're yes. like, oh, I'll follow the link, That's no problem. Right. Um, so those options are out there now. So earlier were. you were saying something, so I want to stay with you, Jay, and then bring, the, bring everyone in on this. Uh, how do I encourage someone to seek out a group or an event or help? Because uh, I learned this over the years through, um, through working with the, the domestic violence shelter. Don't expect someone to, like, perfect crystal tear coming down one cheek, thank you so much for helping me. You're saving me. my life. You're saving, yes, yes. exactly. Mm -hmm. You Don't expect that every, I mean, some people may react that way. Sure. But you're challenging someone's worldview right. when you say, yeah. when you reach out that way. So what are the ways, the safe ways, to reach out to someone that way? So uh, going back to this idea of meeting someone where they are, uh, again, it's a consistency of message. So if you are uh, available and able to say the same thing to someone over and over again, hey, I'm here, I want to listen to you, and I think you need some more help. And then you sit, and you're there, and you listen, and then when they're ready, they will either sit with you, they will listen with you, or they'll move on to that third thing, which is get some more help. Um, because like Pam was saying, there is only so much one individual can do, uh, and it will eventually wipe you out, wear you down, make it hard for you to be sitting there. And pretty soon you're going to be the one that needs some of that meet me where I'm at help. Um, but, but again, consistency of message. Just say, look, I'm here and I want to listen and I think you need some more help. Well, I uh, want to uh, well, go ahead. I want to bring Morgan into this because I wonder if there's anything that you might like to add to that uh, topic of how do you reach out to someone? Well, I think with, with grief in its, in its own, in its own way, um, we, like what Jay was saying, you meet them where they're at. So it's great to tell them of stuff that's going on. But a lot of people are, always say, how can I help you? And they put that on the griever. And the thing is, uh, one of the best ways is to say, hey, there's this event. Can I take you to that? Would you come with me? And that gives them the opportunity and for the griever to say yes or no. And we want the griever to have the opportunity to choose for themselves. Also, I'm glad that we're, I have a whole list of events, especially hospice <laughs> events coming up, uh, because that is a way to meet the people who might be in a group, but not have to go that for, you can meet those people and talk to them and have a little bit of that fellowship going on. If you're feeling squeamish about going to a group, then you could just, you know, go to the movies to see Love Actually. Next week is that? It's December eighth. So December 8th. we are doing we're showing Love Actually in the Christmas spirit on December eighth at six p.m. at the Homer Theater. Is that the one with the signs? That yes, is the one with the <laughs> signs. There, there yes. is a subplot. There is a subplot with a caregiver grief. who's dealing with someone who is who's dealing with their brother. Yes. Who is who is dealing with mental health issues? Mental health issues is grief because the one character loses his wife. Spoiler alert. Right, there's that. And no. so. It, but but really, a, I swear, Laura Linney's character, who is a caregiver for her brother, it is all, it's just a lesson yes. in what not to do, that yeah. movie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
and all in is it's admission by donation so all all uh, proceeds benefit hospice and it's just a great way to come out watch a movie and support hospice so I do want to ask about I want to bring everybody in but I'll start with Pam Hooker because uh, I put it into the outline because I want to encourage people like what are we don't tell people how to behave but it is good to remind people of the positive that it is a positive thing to remember people and in terms of like dealing with grief maybe Morgan is the better person to start with this or Pam you jump in if you're ready um, but to talk about the ways the ways to help someone remember well first of all I guess I've got my answer you've given it to me you do what they ask you to do <laughs> you, you do um, I, I, I'm glad you asked that question because um, lots of times we find ourselves talking about that there's problems. We have you know, a lot of problems um, relating to, well, how do, I, uh, how do I interact with my loved one now? There's a lot of grief that goes on with this, this, this experience of caregiving. And um, so there's, there's a pull. The caregiver is going through their own grief their loved one's going through grief. Their loved one is changing before their eyes. So there's, we have to accept who that person's going to be as we go along. But um, one example, uh, we're, you know, we're talking about the, the caregiver is talking about their, their experience, and and it's it's pretty devastating most of what she's talking about. And so we had a uh, we had a, a guest speaker that day. And they said, um, you know, could you talk about some times that you had together, you know, that that were, you know, good to, to remember? And out of that came um, her coming to the group with a with a, um, a volume of uh, pictures, and she she said that 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 helped her see that um, she could remember things from the past and and even be able to communicate with her loved one about what they did. Because one of the, one of the things about Alzheimer's typically is the short-term memory goes uh, first, and, and long-term memory is, is very alive for a long time. So your loved one, in, you could talk about trips you took, you know, their first baby, or any of that thing. And we had the, a great time that day just laughing and talking about you know, good things. It doesn't mean that it has to be totally um, sadness all the time. And so, and it's, it's and humor is a wonderful way to release some of that. Right, you have to let yourself off the hook when like, something's oh, funny and okay, let yourself laugh. So, okay, you know. Um, so I think that's important. And the other thing, I just have to say this because of my friend, Dr. Annabelle, who's helped me through this with this group for years and years, he would say, um, People are get hung up sometime about telling the truth. You know, am I the loved one? Maybe say, am I ever going to get better? You know, are we going to go on this trip next year? You, you know, and this is where the grief factor comes in for everyone in the family. But the the the, the caregiver is concerned about maintaining the truth. You know, okay, yeah, we were going to take that trip to the McKinley, and we're not going to be able to now because you're ill. So. So, you know, okay, so no, that's not a very, you know, that's not a really um, productive uh, response. Uh, but on the other hand, one of the joys that we all get out of life is remembering things and talking about how 
fun it was. And uh, this just it's a, it's okay to laugh. It's okay to make make fun, mm-hmm. not make fun of, but have fun. Um, it, it's so interesting in 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 white American culture, of which I'm a member. Um, the way that we often process grief is by trying not to process grief. We try not to talk about it. You try not to think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a movie out called Coco. It was out a couple years ago, mm-hmm. uh, which explores the way the Hispanic culture deals mm-hmm. with death and passing. And, and Pam's right. You, you have to be able to remember the faces of your fathers yeah. um, and your mothers and, and laugh and share and sing right. and remember all the good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and somehow that gets lost. And you think you have to do it all by yourself and it's all needs to be tamped down and quiet. But if you can explore and express all those feelings and remember all those people, it's actually so much more helpful. Right. Um, and it can be so much more liberating for not just you, but yeah. everyone around you. It's very helpful. So yeah. it, it is interesting the way different cultures respond to this process as well. Yes, that, that, that's true, Jay. Um, I think the big thing is it's okay to have humor. It's okay Absolutely. To, to laugh every day. and. Um, just uh, sometimes you can you can get somebody off there because one of the things that happens is is uh, the caregiver the uh, person that's being cared for it may be in, a, in one of those moods that they're not very approachable they're very um, negative about anything and so if there's any way to scooch in something that maybe cracks them up a little bit and then go with that spend the whole day you know just playing and mm-hmm. um, we've had uh, people, different people come in over the years um, to talk about uh, music, and that's a big factor. Oh, as, as, a, as a way to remember times oh, no, and places? Not just remember, but just uh, to start playing old-time music, and, and hospice has some some stuff that makes that happen. But, I mean, they have, they have the little... <laughs> Do you know what she's talking about, Morgan? It's the she radio. Yeah, Go the ahead. Radios. <laughs> so it's radios, I yes. believe, that we have given to... Yes. This just plays old-time music uh-huh. for... Oh, right. good. I hope they have an AM band on. Yeah, so, so <laughs> and it's okay. It's okay. I mean, uh, we have to give up... Some of the things we have to give up as a caregiver is being in control of everything that happens in your house. And because, you, I mean, you have to have some control because there's only one person. But at the same time, it's okay, you know, not to do the dishes. Instead, you know, dance and sing in the living room if you can or listen to some music or, you know, just, uh, you know, do something positive together. Take a walk. Try to get them off. So that was that was from the idea that you don't always have to tell the truth. Well, it can it's, be super stressful though because I know as a caregiver you have to switch all the time. Yes. When someone is in in if you're dealing with someone who is in the throes in their dementia, mm-hmm. then yeah, I'm in 1929 with my dad as a little boy. I'm mm-hmm. there. Yeah. And so I don't correct. I didn't correct him when no. he was wrong about things. No. But then he would switch into these moments where he was in the moment mm-hmm. and he wanted to know things. Mm-hmm. And so I had, I was constantly having to switch back and forth yes. between making sure everybody's comfortable and not afraid because that was mm-hmm. my only goal was not in pain and not afraid. Mm-hmm. These are the things I'm working for, for him. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so everything else is fine. Yeah. So there was there is a switching for the caregivers that has to happen. Like yes. You have to deal with them when they're in 1950. Yes. And you also have to be able to answer them honestly when they're here and now. Right, right. That's a very good point. That 
Anyway, yeah. that I found that to be the most stressful part of the entire experience. Yeah. Uh huh. So I do want to ask everybody in uh, because. I want to make sure before we move on, I have a few things of Homer's act, act of kindness yes. is coming up and I want to talk about it, but I want to make sure that I haven't left you and left anybody out of this conversation we're talking right now. Are there thoughts you want to add or are you ready to move on? Uh, <clears throat> Go ahead, Jay I'd just Bechtel. like to throw one, one quick thing in. So we're, we're going to be back this year again with our D-Stig movie series starting in January. What's that? So we show movies the fourth Thursday of each month, January through April, that deal with mental illness, substance misuse, uh, developmental disabilities through pop culture. So it's a legitimate movie that was out in the theaters. Like, uh, what's the... Um, Love Actually? Love Actually, yeah. yeah. So we'll be showing The Peanut Butter Falcon and The Muppet Movie and Gilbert Grape and uh, Little Miss Sunshine. Oh, a nice list. Mm -hmm. And they're free to the community. And we come out and we talk about mental health and the process as it relates to the movies and how movies impact the way we respond to those kinds of things in the world. So where do you show, where do you screen it? We shoot at the movie theater. And nice. so that will be coming up starting in January. So I just throwing that out. There's another fun resource. that's a little more, it's an easier way into the discussion for some people. Well, I will look forward to that. And I just want to remind people it's the last call for questions and comments. You can email to Kathleen at kbbi.org. Or you can call 907-235-7721. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, but it is time to talk about the many events that hospice is going on, and I want to include you guys as well. Thank you for starting us off with your January events, and I'll look forward to that, Jay. But uh, we have talked about Love Actually on the 8th, yes, 6 o'clock at the Homer Theater. But I'm very excited to talk about December 11th. Yes. There's an open mic called Into the Dark, and it's an open mic with stories of grief and loss. So one of the things that hospice is doing with the programs right now in terms of bereavement and just grief and loss in general is we're looking for points of connection. So we're looking for ways to do events that are open to the whole community, those who are grieving or not, but to also normalize grief and loss. It's something we all experience. So on December 11th at Anno Kisitin, we have Into the Dark, which is an open mic on grief and loss. And what we invite people to do um, at that day, it's that um, people can arrive at 2.30, the event starts at 3, is they can um, join us in a creative expression of their grief and loss. So they can s tell a story or a poem, sing, sing a song, sing a song, play music, whatever they feel like doing to express that grief and loss. They don't have to bear the whole soul, but like um, a Pam was saying about music, like music evokes emotions. And a lot of time it's allowing ourselves to feel that grief. It's so important for us to honor those feelings, whatever they may be. And so with the open mic, it's giving people the opportunity to be creative in their grief, to come and tell that story and so forth. So at 2.30, people can sign up um, on the open mic list of what they're going to perform. And then um, we'll have people um, stop performing. from. It's from 3 to 5. And if, in case anybody doesn't know, Anno Kisitin has moved. It is now in the space right as you're pulling into... Uh, Near the gear shed. The gear shed. Yes. Thank you. And, yep. It's it has right been coffee. It's been coffee shops. It's been a little cafe. It's Anno a beautiful Kisitin. space. Yeah, it's a wonderful space. And it's small enough. It's not a big cavernous space where you're going to feel like everybody's 
you know, all spread out. It's, it's a nice intimate space. And if you don't feel like sharing, you can just come and listen because again, it's other people sharing those grief moments. And sometimes it's nice to just be among your people, among those people that are also experiencing it. Okay. And then the other one is, uh, and then I'll plan to bring everybody else back in December 15th at six o'clock for, uh, WKFL Park, there's Light Up a Life Luminaria. And so we want to talk a little bit about the Luminaria? Yeah, I would love that. So that is one event that hospice does every year. People can purchase a Luminaria to celebrate a loved one. And so we will have them lit um, on December 15th at 6 p.m. in um, WKFL Park. And so you can purchase them now at hospice. Um, and you can, um, that will, um, money goes to to hospice, and then you can do that in honor of a loved one. It's a really beautiful way to dedicate it to them. Okay, is there, are there any other events or things coming up that anyone would like to add? You've got, you've got something else. Keep I, going, Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's two other things. One, oh, great. One is a Zoom. So you mentioned Zooms, and hospice is looking to go into Zoom. So we are working with Alaska Resource, um, uh, Alzheimer's Resource of Alaska, and we are doing monthly dementia events. And so we have an educator, dementia educator, that is talking about dementia and the holidays. And that will be taking place in December. So check out um, Hospice of Homer's Facebook page for that event. And then we are doing our Homer Acts of Kindness. And so Oh, right. Let's get back into Acts of Kindness. So one of the ways, it's um, basically a campaign the hospice is doing. It's a no-commit type of thing. If you want to do it, great. If you don't, it's okay. And what it is is you commit an act of kindness in memory of someone you have, lo um, someone you love who has died. So what you do is you share an act of kindness anonymously in the community, and you leave behind a card and say that it was done in memory of those that you've lost. It could be a child, a spouse, a friend, a pet, whatever you would like. And so hospice has created these really cute acts of kindness cards, and you can stop by hospice and pick them up, and just put in the name of the person that's passed, and you can. Um, do different acts of kindness for them. You could bake cookies, leave a card. And so you see, are those cards all over town in different places? We're going to put them in different places. This is how they look. They're very cute. <laughs> and what we'll do is we'll just... Um, they are cute. Right, that way you cute. don't have to contact anyone in you order can, to participate. You can just take a card. You can just take a card. So we'll leave them about, but if you want to stop by hospice, they will be at Hospice of Homer. Um, to pick up. And we do have, we will be sharing on our website some act of kindness ideas that people can do if you if you don't know what to do um, this time of year, it will have a list. So it's, it feels really good to do something in honor of somebody who's passed. Well, the time has come for final question or for final comments. I want to make sure there isn't anything that we've left out of the conversation that you feel like is vital. Uh, and then I, I have a couple more questions, but I want to start with Jay Bechtel. Um, I, I, there are some things I want to know about, like are there uh, are, are you looking for caregivers? Oh, we're always looking for employees. Can you talk a little bit about your need for sure. people and then anything else you want to add to the conversation? Sure. We have positions open always for master's level clinicians, but we also always have positions open for our direct service professionals. It's a DSPs. major point of entry for employment in this town. That's right. Uh, and that is working directly with an individual or a group of individuals or a family on dealing with their mental illness, their substance misuse, their developmental issues, uh, doing some respite work like we were talking about earlier, doing some educational work, behavioral work. It's a, it's a wonderful opportunity. 
um, for anyone looking for employment. We're also looking for a development director. That's a new position we just opened. So anyone out there looking for those jobs, uh, it's it's a great way. Like you said, the DSP position is a great entry level if to see if you are interested, want to do this work, and if it's the kind of thing you might make a career out of. That's how I got started. 30, oh, no kidding. 33-some years ago. <laughs> Excellent. And then I'll also I'll be checking, is there a calendar on your website so I can find the movie calendar? We will have more information out. The flyer's not quite done. We'll have the flyer out probably next week, and we'll be sending it out to all of our partners, including the radio station. Uh, good. I'll be encouraging you to make community calendar announcements. <laughs> so, uh Pam Hooker, I want to find out what's on your list there that we didn't get to. <laughs> okay, well, a very important Probably thing on my list is that um, we're just, I'm not just out there by myself doing this uh, group. I have support from the Homer Senior Center, and they have That's for where years, it's held, right? That's where it's held at the Senior Center now that pandemic is, uh, is passed, hopefully. Um, so we meet, I think I've already said that. Oh, no, but it's time to repeat that. Okay, you tell so people. We're, we meet typically the second and fourth Thursday of every month from 2 to 3.30. We uh, try to start on time and leave on time. It's just real important to have structure. Also, we're mindful of the fact that caregivers' time is very important, and they're not likely to be able to stay late. So we do try to keep it at a regular time. Um, so, so the we, second Thursday is tomorrow. Right. Are you I, meeting then, on Thanksgiving Day? Okay, that was like the last thing oh, I was going to say is November, December is a one meeting month. So we are meeting um, this next this next Thursday, but not when no, we're meeting the second Thursday in December, and that's all we're meeting in December. We've already had our November. That meeting. will be December eighth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's sometimes things correct come out of that. Same, brain. same night as love. Actually. Um, so uh, let's see. Again, I just want to uh, to repeat that you don't have to uh, come in and spill your beans the first meeting or even the tenth meeting. We have had people come and just sit and listen, and a lot of times through their expressions and and their contact with folks, they can participate in the group without really having to say much. Um, I, it's it's fine. We, we, we are, there's always somebody that's just sitting in the corner kind of listening and nodding, and, you know, you can tell that they're taking it in, but they're just not quite ready to share, and that is... Okay. And one last time, what's your contact number or, or website or email so that pe if anyone wants to reach out? Yeah, you can just call me directly, 907-299-7198. Thank you. And, or you can call the Senior Center and they will, they will get a hold of me. Thanks so much. And Morgan Laffert, back to you. Uh, any final comments or things that you want to? Let's definitely remind people of where they can find you okay. and the things that are coming up. But uh, also, I wanted to know about your need. Do you have a need for volunteers? We always have a need for volunteers. And so anybody who's interested in volunteering um, for hospice can, can connect with hospice. Our contact information is on the Hospice of Homer website. is also the Facebook page. And I know one of the questions I get asked a lot is, I'm actively grieving. I don't know if I can sit bedside with somebody who is... In hospice, there are many different types of volunteer roles. So I don't want people to be discouraged because of the word hospice. 
It is whatever you want to offer, however much you want to engage in terms of the volunteering, feel free to, to touch base and, and connect because we really honor that at hospice. We really want to make sure that you're able to engage in, in a way that feels comfortable to you. Also, my experience was when I first got to town, uh, the Pier 1 actors would be a part of training. We would be in a bed and we would get a list of symptoms and complaints and, and you're angry or you're trying to you're trying to flirt with the person. Like you would get these prompts that's, that's pretty good. and you had to play the role while the people were training. Is there any of that going on right now? Because I could get back into that. It was fun. We do have volunteer training. We just had a volunteer training in October, but we're looking to have one in the new year. So definitely connect in that way. But like I mentioned earlier, just um, being offering respite care, picking up somebody's groceries. We don't know how much that matters until oh, there's you're a doing reason, it. There's a reason why bringing a dish to someone's house is the time-honored way. You and, know? and you see it because we live in a very close community and these acts mean everything. And so it's about being kind and being kind to everybody because we don't know what people are going through. And when you can find a way to fill a need someone has without asking anything of them, it's really, that's, that's where I'm trying, that's the space I'm trying to live in. Yes. Jay? That was a mic drop. Be kind to people (laughs) because you don't know what they're going through. That's a wonderful way to finish up, Morgan. Thank you, Jay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, last call, because I want to thank everybody. I'll come back to you after I thank everyone by name. Uh, thanks to Jay Bechtel, Executive Director of South Peninsula Behavioral Health, Pam Hooker from the Caregiver Support Group that meets uh, at the Senior Center, and the next one is December 8th. Yes, thank you. And Morgan Laffert from Hospice of Homer. Thank you all for being here this morning. Any last comments? Let's just exist in this space for a moment where everybody's got their information out. Go ahead, Jay. Thank you so much, Kathleen. We appreciate it. Thank you, Kathleen. Oh, it is all my pleasure. I'm Kathleen Gustafson, and this has been The Coffee Table, and the time is 9.55 a.m. Stay tuned for an update on the weather coming up in just a moment.